0: Welcome to A Tribute to American Veterans. I'm Byron Tyler. Let's pay tribute to all military personnel from every service branch and from every time period in American history. These are the brave men and women that have sacrificed to keep this nation free. They deserve our respect. To those who performed honorable service to this nation, and many of them gave their life to keep us free, we salute you and give thanks to God. Today, I want to play an interview I originally did in 2007 with Don Ballard. At the time, Don was 96 years old, a retired Navy chaplain who shared his experience serving our country.
1: I was born in Middlesbrough, Kentucky, Knoxville, Tennessee. is pretty close by, about 50 miles, October the 8th, 1915. My dad was a railroad engineer, and most of my brothers about seven children one girl all the rest boys most of them worked on the railroad
0: now you talk about railroad trains back then i guess ran on coal didn't they how did they operate
1: they operated on coal mostly coal and i graduated from high school in 1933 and with a pretty good uh, rating on roll and all but yet i couldn't get a job here i was 17 years old So for the next two years during the Great Depression, I tried to get work, and I couldn't get any work at all. I tell people I worked for Patton Turner. Pat the street and turn the corner. (laughs) That's all I could do. And then I hitchhiked, because I didn't have a car, from Middlesbrough, Kentucky, about 50 miles to Knoxville, Tennessee. And there I joined the Navy at the wonderful salary of $21 a month. 30 into that and you get 70 cents a day that I worked for the government. 70 cents a day I went in the Navy.
0: But at that time, there wasn't a whole lot of choice, was there?
1: Wasn't much of a choice in those days because in my hometown, one fellow that looked like he was just doing so fine had his home. He had a Model A Ford car. He had plenty of groceries and all. He, He made $13 a week. And that was good in those days. That was a
0: good income. Well, Brother Ballard, now at 17, you joined the Navy. Now, at that time, uh, this was a few years before Pearl Harbor, so there wasn't any real big conflict at that time, was there?
1: That was 1935, July the 15th. At 19, I was very delighted to go into the Navy because we went to Norfolk, Virginia, went to boot training, and I met some wonderful guys there that I would never have met had I not been in the Navy.
0: Now, how did you become a chaplain in the Navy?
1: I was a line officer, and I did chaplain duties. A line officer is the one that can say, uh, well, I was a gunnery officer on board ship after I became a, a lieutenant and an ensign, going up the ranks a little bit. Then I uh, I could say, praise the Lord, and pass the ammunition, because I was a chaplain on the ship and also the gunnery officer. What ship were you on, Brother Ballard? Well, the first ship I was on was a uh, four-stack destroyer. They call them the four-stackers, the USS TATL, DD-125. And back when uh, President Roosevelt, and he was one of the most wonderful presidents I've ever heard of, President Roosevelt declared a national emergency before Pearl Harbor. A lot of people do not know that. And so I went aboard the USS TATL, my first ship, from uh, boot camp, and we went directly to Panama, and we were security ship down there. We went through the Panama Canal a number of times, but then after that, I went aboard another ship called the USS Brooks, DD-232, and we went to Boston, where we became a security ship before Pearl Harbor. While we were on duty there off Boston, several of the civilian ships were sunk, by uh, German submarines.
0: And this was off the coast of Boston.
1: Off the coast of Boston. Now, that wasn't highlighted too much. We were not in a war then. President Roosevelt declared a national emergency was on because they were fighting over in Europe. And so we were on this ship. And I'll tell you, we were on it uh, during the wintertime, and our guns would get surrounded by snow and and ice, and we couldn't have fired them if we'd, got, if we'd had to. But yet, And submarines were lurking around, and a couple of Navy ships were sunk in those days out there. And many of these civilian ships were sunk.
0: You were serving in the U.S. Navy when Pearl Harbor was attacked.
1: I went into the Navy six years before Pearl Harbor, 1935. I continued on until I was in the service at Pearl Harbor Day, My wife and I had a little apartment over in San Francisco, California. My ship was stationed there. And I remember December 7, as if it was yesterday, because I looked out the window of the apartment. Now, Mrs. Ballard, Lola, and I were not Christians. We'd been married about two years. I looked out my window, and I saw a church about a fourth of a block away from where we were, and it had a big neon sign that said, Jesus saves and I told my wife, I said, I know we're not Christians, but let's go to church today. So we went out of our apartment. We went to this church. And of course, like a lot of newcomers in churches, we found a back seat to sit on. And the preacher of a message, I can't tell you what he preached about. But after the message was over, I noticed a little table up by the pulpit had a white cover over it. And I said, wonder what that is. My wife said, I believe they're going to take communion. And so when the pastor called for those who came to take communion, my wife said, Don, we can't do that. We're not Christians. We need the Lord, and we're not eligible to receive communion in that church. So we left. But later on, we found Jesus as our Savior. That was because I was listening to a radio preacher, Charles E. Fuller, a Baptist minister in California, preaching from what he called the old-fashioned revival hour, Charles E. Fuller. And he said, there's someone out there listening to this radio today that needs Jesus.
2: While our heads are bowed, all out in the radio audience, kneel where you are say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me for Christ's sake. Heavenly Father, I come just as I am. Receive me. I come claiming the promises. I come through that one and only worthy name, the name of Christ. Accept me in him. Make me a new creation in Christ Jesus. Cleanse my heart through the precious blood. I want to be a child of thine through faith in Christ. Continue in prayer as we leave the air. This is Charles E. Fuller bidding you goodbye and God's richest blessing upon you.
1: And I wondered who he'd been telling him about me. (laughs) It was the Holy Spirit. And right then and there, he said, if you want to find the Lord, just confess your sins and he'll set you free. Right then I said, I'll do it. I went into the kitchen. My wife was cooking supper. I turned her around. My eyes were full of tears. You see, a Christian sheds tears when he's happy. A Christian will shed tears when they're sad. But I was so happy that I knew Jesus. I told my wife, she said, Don, what's the matter? I said, honey, I just found the Lord. And my wife found the Lord also. And from that time on, we've walked with the Lord.
2: Soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. In company with our brave allies and brothers in arms on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. But this is the year 1944. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck, and let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking.
0: Gunner back in the Second World War Gunner's mate, right. Gunner's mate, you sailed the ocean in the Pacific, you spent time on Okinawa and there were yeah. some things that took place when you were out there that definitely could not be denied were a divine intervention of God. And I want you to share about that.
1: Well, I was in Okinawa, the invasion of Okinawa and all those Kamikaze zero planes flew from Tokyo In their last effort to end the war, probably, I was the gunnery officer standing behind my captain on the USS Spear AM-322, a large minesweeping vessel. And when they came into our ship to knock us out, we fired our 40-millimeter guns. We knocked down two of them, splashed them, as they said out there in the Pacific in the days of Okinawa. We splashed two, but one moved away, And my skipper said, Don, look for that one. He'll be coming back soon. And he was right. That plane came back toward the USS Spear. The thing they wanted to do was knock the bridge out where the officers were and then take over the ship altogether and perhaps sink it. And out there doing Okinawa, I saw ships with as many as five and six hundred people on them personnel on them, those kamikazes, zero as they called them, hit those ships, and I saw the ship go down under the water, taking all those human beings, taking all the personnel, never to see them anymore. And that was in my mind of what the zero that dived on us was going to do and what he wanted to do. So he headed for the bridge, and the captain gave the word, commence firing. This plane came so fast toward the bridge, I looked up and saw it, this huge zero plane. And when I looked up, I saw a figure there between me and the plane. I didn't really know what it was at first, but then I realized that God had sent an angel. I looked up, the angel was outstretched arms, a body like a human being, a big robe, looking down at me, and I looked up at the angel as if he was going to say, I'm going to protect you. And that time, the captain put the ship in a tight spin, and because he took the ship in a tight spin, we all hit the deck. We couldn't get a shot out, and that plane hit the fantail of the ship. But when I went down to the wardroom... The crew had gotten all that ship that hit the fantail, got the bolts and nuts and the tin from the plane. The pilot had lost his life. They put all those items on the wardroom table. The wardroom table was like a large pool table. You've seen them with a green holstering. Then uh, the captain said, Don, we were sure lucky tonight, weren't we? I said, no, captain, we were not lucky. I said, I saw an angel come aboard this ship, and I'll never forget it. I saw that Captain Savage He in San Diego 40 years later. I was on a ship reunion of another ship in San Diego at a time when all the Clark sailors came together. He invited me to his home. He said, now the first one I want to hear you talk about is that angel we saw 40 years ago in Okinawa. You know. I said, Captain, he was there.
0: You know, Brother Ballard, some might say, well, that just doesn't seem like it's possible. But you were in a desperate situation. You were being assaulted with heavy artillery. The possibility, as you mentioned, as a kamikaze pilot taking a dive into your plane. And just at the right moment, there was intervention from God, as you say, spared
1: the entire ship. That's right. When I got back home, I got Billy Graham's book. It's filled with the incidents of angels in the Bible. And those people in the Old Testament, we don't think of them too much as just like we are. Human beings, they're people, and God intervened with them, with angels. And we read about it all through the Old Testament. And I saw this angel, and I'll never forget it. He was my protecting angel, or she was, whoever it was, was there to help me go through this time in Okinawa. And through that experience, I've conducted numbers of revivals in 38 states of this union. I was an evangelist for 21 years, and every place I'd go, I'd tell them about the angel. And that's one of the sermons the people wanted to hear about. Can anybody see an angel? Well, beloved, you're listening to a man right now A person like you who are listening, I saw this angel. It was my protecting angel. So be aware that the Bible is full of angels, and I saw one,
0: Brother Ballard. I know in our lives, oftentimes too, God works miracles out in other ways. One specific way, you had retired or were completed your tour of duty from the Second World War. You had moved on as a pastor. You were preaching the gospel, doing revivals. Twenty-one years Mm -hmm. later. Another war broke out, and there was a plea for men, women to join our U.S. forces to fight the Vietnam War. Take us back to that place where you were, I think it was in the 1950s, I believe, where your wife asked you, and I was kind of surprised that she did, do you want to go back and serve in the Navy?
1: Byron, I left the Navy after 12 years of active duty. I went to college and got my degree through the GI Bill of Rights went to Corbin, Kentucky, my first pastorate, making $39 a week. Uh, not a good salary, but yet I enjoyed it because I would win the will of God. I pastored a good church in Lufkin, Texas. Everything was going well in the church. Vietnam was going strong. President Johnson was the president of the United States. I went home one day after visiting, I remember. My wife looked at me and said, Don, would you like to get back in the Navy? I said, I sure would. I've been out 21 years.
0: There was really no need for you to go. You were already out of the Navy 21 years.
1: Had the newspaper in her hand. She said, Don, it says right here in the newspaper. She said, it says right here, wanted ex-servicemen will take you into the reserves regardless of how long you've been out, at the rate or rank that you had when you left the Navy. I went down to the reserve, and they were amazed. Here I was, 51 years old, 21 years been out of the Navy, because I, I left the Navy. It was called to preach, and I felt like if I didn't preach, the whole world was going to hell. I got a call from God to preach the Word, I went back into the reserves, and and I was 51 years old. I only had eight years to go because I'd done 12, you know. You have to have 20 years. And the Lord put me back there in the Navy. I retired at age 60. God gave me back 21 years later what I gave up for Him earlier in life. Remember, beloved, you can't outgive God. He has it all in mind. He understands what you're saying, so trust him with all of your heart, and he'll direct you in all the issues of life. We heard over the radio that Pearl Harbor had been attacked.
2: Yesterday, December 7th. 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan.
1: And I was in in the Navy at that time. I didn't have my uniform on. I said, go get in your uniform and report to your ship. I got down to the dock too late for my ship to go out. Had to wait for it in the morning and then we went directly to Alaska and up there in Alaska uh, we found uh, that the Japanese were coming in to Dutch Harbor they bombed it and we were on four stack destroyers at that time. These destroyers had been built back in 1918 so we got out of there as soon as we could. We cut all the shorelines because the Japanese bombers were coming in and we went down into a little cove pretty close to uh, where the bombers were coming in. And we, we hid from these Japanese bombers as much as we could. And when we, when we found this cove, we got to a place where they wouldn't see us. But yet the sun was shining bright, and no clouds in the sky. Everything was bright. God must have heard the prayers of Christian people. The clouds came almost immediately, covered those ships— and we heard the bombers up above, we heard them go over, but yet they couldn't see us. I've always felt that God intervened there through the prayers of God's people and put those clouds over, so as those American warships that were built in that World War I, they couldn't see us.
0: What a powerful story there of God's provision, intervention there, Brother Ballard. As you look out, standing behind is a gunner, mate, as you said, being up there, and you know that you're called to protect the freedoms of our country. You're called to, to fire that weapon. And you look and you see how these other men that served so faithfully our country went down, loss of life into the oceans. What was that like for you to see such tragedy?
1: Well, I'll never forget it. I wake up at night thinking about it, about those sailors on those ships, torpedo come and hit about midship. And as I saw these ships go down, all these men, they could do nothing but go down with the ship, drowned. It's in in your mind. You never get away from it. But God has been my refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. And I would recommend to anyone out there that may be listening to my voice, I want to remind you, that I was saved myself listening to the radio. No doubt God looked down at me that day. I gave my heart to God that day, and I've never gotten over it. And don't want to get over it because he's my refuge today.
0: I appreciate that testimony, Brother Ballard, because there's many people who are needing hope in life. All of us are living on a sinking ship without Christ. We all are facing many battles of life and attacks inside and without And it's good to know that we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who has mercy, grace, and wants to save us from our sins.
1: Byron, uh, one more thing I wanted to tell you about. After I'd gotten saved, I knew I needed to be baptized. I don't believe that water baptism will save you, but I believe everyone who's a Christian ought to be baptized. So here I was in the service. I had gone to Alaska and seen the bombers and and saw the actions that was going on with the Japanese Air Force. So I said, when I get back to the States, I wanted to be baptized. I wasn't a member of any church. So I went on the uh, shore and went to a church, and there was a pastor there. I said, do you baptize people? He said, I sure do. I said, well, I'm in the Navy, and I got saved a few years ago, and I want to be baptized. He said, you come over here Sunday afternoon. We'll have a baptismal service in my church. I said, wonderful. So I went back to my ship. It was docked there. I went aboard the ship, and a man on watch said, Mr. Ballard, we're going to get underway Sunday morning at 6 o'clock and go out into the war zone. I said, but I'm supposed to be baptized at that afternoon at 3 o'clock. If the ship goes out, I can't be baptized. So what did I do? I went down into my compartment. I got on my knees, and I said, Lord, I want to be baptized before we go out to sea again. Would you do something about it? Did you know, folks? God did something about it. He changed the orders until we didn't get underway until a day later. And I've always known that God intervened so I could be baptized. I went over that afternoon, that Sunday afternoon, with three other servicemen. He baptized us by immersion. And oh, it's been so good to me to know that God intervened and the ship stayed in port until I could be baptized. God knew I was one of his children and he was going to do that for me. So if you're going through a problem now, If you have troubles in your life, turn them over to Jesus. He will do something for you. Now, during the time I was brought up, Franklin Delano Roosevelt was a wonderful man who prayed like they pray here on your radio station. Can you imagine that? A, A president of the United States praying like a preacher would pray on the radio? But he did that.
2: Almighty God, our sons pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And by the righteousness of our cause, our sons will triumph. Thy will be done, Almighty God.
1: Amen. And people gathered around those little old radios in that day that was mostly static, and they wanted to hear what Roosevelt was going to do. And he went ahead and had the Civilian Conservation Corps, that's called the CCCs, where young men went up into the mountains and planted trees and did all that and had nice uniforms. I tried to get into CCCs, but you see, my daddy was a railroad engineer on the l and Railroad. He made $16 a day, and people thought he was rich. $16 a day. People were working for $13 a week, 25 cents an hour. I tried to get in, and they said, Don, you can't get in the CCCs because your daddy makes too much money. We have to take these fellas that don't have any income at all. I couldn't get in that. Roosevelt brought that about. Also, we had the WPA. They made a big joke about that group. We piddle around, you know. WPA, we piddle around. They, they drew some money from the government. But at least Roosevelt did something to help people. So that's the America that I, I love. I love America today. Don't misunderstand me. But we need to do everything we can to help those that are, are needy. I read in the Commercial Appeal day before yesterday, where there's so many people in Memphis, Tennessee, who are hungry. I mean young men and and wives that have children. They're hungry. They don't have anything to eat. So we need to help them as much as we can. Can you imagine that in a city like we've got? But it's happening today. We have hungry people. And Jesus Christ, if he saved us from our sins and And wrote our names in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I tell about people where I preach on the assisted living. Be sure your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. One day, He's going to call your name. And you want to hear it when you go to heaven.
0: When you see a veteran, be sure to honor them by saying thank you for their service and sacrifice. For the freedoms we share as citizens of the United States of America. If they're willing to share, take time to hear their stories. You might visit one of our national cemeteries and say a prayer for the families left behind. And thank God for allowing you to live in a country that's free. With a tribute to our American veterans, I'm Byron Tyler. Thanks for listening.